0: For this morning though, we are in 1 Corinthians 15, as we began this series some months ago, going through this letter in the New Testament, titled the letter, Called Out, Called Up, God's Invitation to Live and Love at a Higher Level. So what we have happening in this letter, and the reason it's obviously applies to us as well, It's because there's nothing new under the sun. What was happening in Corinth is happening in our culture. What was taking place then is taking place now, meaning that what they faced may have had different variables and different entities governmentally and different factors, but it was still kind of the same thing. They were people like you and I who were invited into a relationship with Jesus Christ regardless of the situation and scenarios and the details, but they came into a relationship with Jesus Christ, but they're still in this world, physically still inhabiting this planet. And so born from above, born again, they're now learning how to to navigate life, how to do life at this place and honor God and actually learn the new life. And so... As we're doing that, as they were doing that, there are certain truths that really had to be a bedrock, a sure foundation, a, a, a conscious awareness, like the truth of the resurrection, which is what chapter 15 is, is, is really doing. It's, it's taking what we've read through the first 15 chapters, and then it's bringing it into an understanding, if you would. Let's, let's take a quick glance by way of intro to verses 3 through 5 of 1 Corinthians 15 where we see these clear, concise facts about the victory we know as the resurrection. It reads in verse 3, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen by Peter, then by the 12, goes on to tell us that he was seen by over 500 people after the resurrection. A visual verification of this truth. And so here we have it capsulized. This is the truth. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news. He rose from the dead. He chose to go to the grave. He chose to, we would, we would realize and see from Scripture, die for our sins. He came as a man lived a sinless life, laid his life down as a payment for your sins and my sins. And then being dead, he he resurrected, he rose from the grave, conquering death and hell, according to the scriptures. And so you see why this is such an essential realization, because it's how new life comes in. It's his life, his victory, his death and resurrection that brings new life to us. So in verses 5 through 49. Now, as these truths were laid out in verses 3 through 5, now 5 through um, 49 is is really, um, it presents the truth and, and then the logical, um, the results of Jesus' resurrection. So let me capsulize that. We're going to be in the, I'll, I'll, in the starting in verse 50 for today's time. But in 5 through 49, it's addressing some of the arguments and some of the um, assumptions, some of them false, some of the uh, challenges to the resurrection or the importance of knowing it. We know in verses 5 through 49, we're told that death came through Adam, but new life comes through Jesus Christ. We're told that Jesus' resurrection gives us new life as well. And you see why it was important for the early church and, the, and you and I today to realize the facts of the resurrection and, and, the, and the ramifications, the results of that. His resurrection gives us new life. We also seen from that particular portion of scripture, they're centered in chapter 15, that this body dies, and then we, re- we receive our new heavenly bodies. So you have this body, the Bible calls it a tent, and then you will receive, as a born-again Christian, you'll receive this resurrected body after you pass away. This body passes away, which is the other point. We, like Jesus was resurrected, we also will be resurrected in our heavenly bodies. So that carries us to verse 50 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let's read it and then we'll pray. Now this I say, brethren, and I'm beginning in verse 50 of 1 Corinthians 15. This I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. So when the corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O oh, death, where is your sting? O oh, Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Let's pray, God, as we would read your word and get a quick view of it. We ask that you would give us understanding and insight, that as we would think it through and and allow you to, to speak to our hearts in regards to the truths within this text in regards to what it means to us individually, in regards to how it would affect our lives and how we can shine the light of hope and truth among this world and around this world, Lord. And so we just pray you would reveal your truth, your word to us individually and even as we would gather in our meetings and, and be within our community. May your light shine through us for your glory and our joy. We do ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, let's just jump back into verse 50. Let's process some of this. We'll look at a couple other passages of Scripture to help us see how this is uh, presented and this truth that we have about these uh, bodies and the bodies to come. In verse 50, brethren, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So I'm glad you're all sitting down because this is a a soul-shaking truth. This earthly body is damaged goods. Your earthly body is damaged goods. You really didn't need to be sitting down to know that. If you don't know if that's true, just take a moment and look around. These bodies are not doing that great. They were better when they were younger, and now they're older. They're not as good. Uh, Longevity, well, actually, just uh, maybe gravity and longevity have a negative effect on the body. Correct? It's an aging process. These bodies are frail. They're earthly, which means they, they function on this earth. But they're dying, and they're not fit for the heavenly realm. They just won't function. It's, it's kind of, I think I shared this last week, it's, we have a, a, a thing that most of us are all are familiar with. It's so you can go underwater and exist in an environment where you can't get air out of the water as easily with this system. So you have a self-contained underwater breathing apparatus. You heard of that, right? Scuba. It's so you can exist in this other environment because you need it. Well, how much more can we see that these, these bodies, flesh and blood, they can't inherit the kingdom of God. They're not made for it. We, individually, but even collectively, when we're born again, this new life, this, this, as children of God, we receive an incorruptible heavenly body. And it says that you know this time you know it can't inherit to the kingdom of god this this body now, now we will have flesh and blood, but we will have a heavenly body this this um time right now that we're in is the is the rule is referred to as you know the uh, the kingdom of God when Jesus spoke frequently and you see it in the gospel accounts he speaks of the kingdom of heaven is now the kingdom of God is now. He speaks of it because I believe he's referencing the birth, his birth, that ushered in a new uh, epoch, a new dispensation of time, if you would. And so as it became in, and he's teaching them, you know, prepare for the kingdom of God is at hand, he was to be aware. But that was beginning, we see a, a rise as well, if you would, in that timeline at the resurrection, and it continues even to this day. And it will continue on. This time that's known as the, the kingdom of God. Well, you can't take this old body into it. You inherit, um, you receive something. You receive this incorruptible heavenly body. Let, let's see what it kind of continues to, to reveal to us. Because the kingdom of God, you know, where Christ is the king, is upon us now. And will be experienced it, um, in its fullest in the time to come. Verse 51. Behold. I tell you a mystery. So a mystery, when that word in Scripture is used, it speaks of a of a previously hidden truth. And in the context here, that, that holds true. It speaks of a truth revealed. It's been veiled, but in perfect timing, it's now revealed. I liken it to, uh, say, if somebody has something they created or made, and they're going to now let it be known. And maybe it's a piece of artwork or pottery, and they unveil it, a vehicle, you know, at a, at a new car show and the new model and the new technology, and they pull this covering off of it. It was there before they pulled the covering off. But when they pulled the covering off, you can now see it. And so what's happened, what we we're being told in this text is fascinating because there's this mystery, this previously hidden truth. It's been veiled, but now in perfect timing, it's revealed, It says, as you see, I tell you a mystery, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. We shall not all sleep. We know sleep speaks of, you know, we shall not all die. When we die, we pass away, referred to as sleeping. Believers who are alive when Jesus returns for the church will not die, but they will be changed. He's referring to a coming event, a pending event, in any moment event, called the rapture, the rapture of the church. And so you can see some have passed away. Some are still present. We're here today. And he's basically letting us know the generation that is alive, when Jesus returns in the clouds for his church, they won't experience the passing away, the death of the body, the way others prior or before them have. We shall all be changed. See, the truth of the rapture of the church has been has been veiled and now unveiled in the New Testament. The truth was foreshadowed in the Old Testament and then brought out in the open here in the New Testament. Change speaks of made different. Not um, cleaning up your act, getting religion, doing things different out of your own discord or d- our own decisions. It just speaks of, of literally change. It's like this whole different thing. Let's continue on because we'll get... The context and as we look at some other texts that show us this event. We shall all be changed when? In a moment. In the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed in the moment. It's the Greek word where we get our English word atom. The Greek word is at, at, atomos, I think is how it's said. And it refers to the smallest conceivable amount of something, something so small, it cannot be divided or cut in half. So in this moment, this like super like boom moment in the, and it goes on to say like this in the twinkling of an eye, it, it's it's faster than a blink. A blink is like one tenth of a second or something like that. And then there's a the twinkle. And of course, naturally you can imagine this happening. I'm studying, I'm getting ready. I'm thinking through these things. And then I'm over here, I'm on this, looking at this algebraic website and the calculations mathematically of the time and the the traveling and the speed of light and the distance between the eyeball to the back of the eye and how long would that be to get there, but then realizing that wouldn't be the case, it's not the distance from the eye, it's the reflection, the refraction coming off the eye as the light hits it and then it twinkles back to somebody and I just had to back up and go, oh. Focus, said Daniel-san, and go, wait a minute, it's not, that's not the twinkling, it's, it's the moment. It's conveying, it's instantaneous. In a moment, there'll be that trumpet sound. And earlier in our service, it was, I just barely got done saying, going over this part, and then a train goes by. And I love it, because trains, we are, we're, they have a distinct purpose for us, to remind us of the rapture. Every time that train goes by, every time that horn goes off, remember, there's a trumpet sound going to sound, and that's just a reminder. I tell kids that all the time. Hey, that, that, guess what? Jesus is coming. And I don't know if they think he's riding the train or what. I have to make sure I get clarity. So they're like, no, this is going to happen. A trumpet was used in that time, in that era, culturally, was used to call men in an army together. So it was. It was a, it was a bringing him in, and this word picture is used to convey the thought of God calling His people to Himself. Well, what trumpet is this? Well, it's the trumpet for the calling of the church, for the bringing together. The last trumpet speaks of the final trumpet in this age, and it's the trumpet to usher in a new dispensation, a new time. There will be trumpet calls after this. Um, Those that are revealed in the book of Revelation, but this is is a new era, a new time. So, I want to take a little bit and kind of make sure we cover this, and and we have a companion text. So, when you're studying your Bible, you may, like we've done here, we've journeyed through to this portion, and then you can stop for a minute and using the tools that are available to you, cross references and 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 very various paper, you know, like books and. different uh, concordances and such or digital things you can go okay wait, wait I want to get more into this what is what is this topic what is this presentation what is this truth well we have two portions of scripture we'll look at the one in more detail it's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 it's I call it a companion text that has the same topic presented so turn with me if you would to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 We have a young church that was taught amazing things. It's believed that Paul was only there potentially a little over three weeks. Taught some phenomenal truths to this young gathering of people. And we have in verse 13, the teaching that was brought to them because of things that was taking place in the church. I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. So what had happened, they were in Thessalonica, a gathering of people. They'd been meeting for a little bit. And and one of them in the congregation, in the gathering, had passed away. And so they were bummed out because they'd heard about this return of Jesus and this time of this event to come. But their buddy, you know, Grandpa Bob, had passed away. He missed it. Like, oh, bummer, man, I sure wish he could have been there with us. So he's saying, I don't want you to be ignorant. And it, it, think of it this way. He doesn't want you to be uninformed or unaware, ignorant due to neglect. So I say it that way because it's a reminder to you and me, You know, when we read about these things or say like today, this becomes a topic. Many of you may not have realized that's what we'd be addressing today. But now you'll have opportunity to go home and look more deeply into 1 Corinthians 15. You'll be able to open up 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and look more closely at that. You can go back in and catch the context for this letter in 1 Thessalonians. So that we're informed, that we're aware. This is what the Bible has to say about these things that we, we need to know and we're interested in. They were concerned, concerning those who had passed away. And they had sorrow it's like they had no hope because it's like he's basically saying, that you, it's, you're forgetting the resurrection. You're forgetting the results. You're forgetting the truth. And so it's beautiful because he says, I, I don't want you to be uninformed. So guess what he does? So guess what God does? He informs. He said, listen, I'll just, I'll just walk through this. Verse 14, for if, and the word there uh, accurately understood would be, since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, Even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. So those who are are born of Christ, um, all of us are born of Adam, okay? That that we're born um, of Adam, and, and, and really that's where death comes from, if you would, because death came through Adam. But when you're also then born again, born in Christ, when you pass away, then it's different for you because you have new life, this new life in Christ. And so we're told here, he says, you know, we, since, since Jesus, we believe Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with Jesus those who are asleep with him. What was that saying? Well, this is the part we take one more step over to another text. We go now to Second Corinthians chapter five. In Second Corinthians chapter five, Specifically in verse 6 through 8. You can dig into the, everything related to this, this particular chapter or within this chapter. But let's focus our attention here on verse 6. Talking about life after death and these bodies the, to come. So we are always confident. Knowing that while we're at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well-pleased rather, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You see that picture, that principle, that truth. When someone passes away, they are present, a born-again Christian, when they pass away, they are present with the Lord. Absent from the body means you're present with the Lord. Right now, we're not present with the Lord in the same way. We're absent from the Lord from that, in that sense. So that's the beautiful thing what's being presented. So you want to remember that as we go back now to um, 1 Thessalonians. To be absent from the bodies, to be present for, with the Lord. Verse 15. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive... And remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. So remember the question is what happens? Your man, Uncle Bob or Grandpa Bob didn't make it. He's like, No, 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 you're misunderstood. The truth is, he's already with the Lord. He's not gonna be bypassed, or he's not gonna he didn't miss the cut, didn't not make the cut. It's basically telling you and me, we will not surpass or or go before those who have already Passed away. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. So now we have to kind of put it all together as much as we can. Remember, there's some things that you're going to have to work out and some things that have already been worked out. It's always important to be able to look at some, some definitive things. What happens when you die as a Christian? Absent from the body means you're present with the Lord. That's a fact. So when we pass away, we're with him, and there's a coming event, the rapture of the church, the, the, the being caught up, the lot more, you know, it speaks of being you know, snatched up. That events to take place, so those who have passed away are with the Lord, but we aren't going to be ahead of them. So when we get raptured, if that's what happens for for uh, this uh, this time, if it happens you know to us, we'll be with them. And I'm thinking, okay, well, how's this all work? Because here's the thing to remember: we're not disembodied spirits. There's no soul sleep, we're not just parked. There's not this time where you know you're you're just waiting for the next body, you're just waiting for it all to to come together. When you pass away, you're present with the Lord. Do you get your resurrection body? Well, yeah, do you have it then? I don't know see that's part of my theology. It's really important. I don't know. There's certain things I don't know. But there's certain things I do know to be absent from the bodies to be present with the Lord. Well, how does that work? So here this person passed away 400 years ago, and then we're hanging around here. So what are they doing between now and then? I don't know. But I'll throw out a few thoughts. You and I live in a time continuum. We live in a sense of everything references from beginning to end, correct? Do you realize time was created for these bodies? It was created for now. So if you don't have that happening, then everything's happening at the same moment, so to speak. It gets a little weird, but here's a good view, a good, good reminder of it. I love this analogy. From one view, you can watch the start of a parade, and it'll come to you, and you're, you've got the ideal spot. That's where they chuck candy. You got, you're going to score good on this corner of the parade. So you're there. And so, but it goes on and goes past you. And so, as it goes a mile or two, and like for here, it ends up you know over at airplane park, and uh you're just you're just seeing this portion, but it's just going along, so you only see the beginning and the middle, but you can't see it all at the same time. But what if you took a vertical view? What if you were elevated? What if you were above it to where you see the start of the parade? You see it finish over here, but you see the last few people that they prayed all taking place at the same time. You, you would be seeing everything at the same time. So you think about it. Like my mom passed away some years ago, and she's with the Lord. And I'm thinking, man, it has been a long time. But mom's like, she got there, and then Danny showed up. There's not this, this gap. You see what I'm saying? I just want you to, I'm not saying definitively, I just tell you, you am, I know certain things. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. He will return, and then we won't precede those who passed away. So what if they're with him, which I believe is what happens. They're with him, and then we're called up, and we join in the air. We don't go ahead of them, but we're with them. You see, it's all, here's, he's returning for his church, and then he will basically return to heaven with his church. He doesn't set ground, set foot on ground at this point. He comes for the church. And then ushers in, takes out all born-again Christians in the rapture. And I believe that's what ushers in, and that's about the timing of a great tribulation period, the great tribulation period, which is documented and spoken of. And then some seven years later, and you can work out all those details, but I believe it's pretty straight, he'll return with the church and set foot in Jerusalem. So... All these things, we look at this, we don't want to be hopeless. We don't want to be sorrowful. We want to recognize that this this time will come. There's a point where we'll be changed in a moment, in an instant. Instantaneously removed from here to be absent from this body, but to be present with the Lord. Verse 18, 1 Thessalonians 4. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Comfort one another with these words. So I love that ending to this presentation of this topic in this letter. It's not the complete ending of it, of course. Comfort is the word pericleo, and you may catch the association in the the, the word structure in the Greek. You may remember that there's the Father, there's the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the triunity of God. The Holy Spirit is called the perikletos, the one who comes alongside, the one who comforts. So here this word, he says, to comfort one another. And it really speaks to comfort, to console with this truth. But it also conveys, like the Holy Spirit, to, to call to one side, to hold this comforting truth close to you, to realize what this is saying to you and me, the truth of comfort for us as we see the day of his return drawing near. As Joan had mentioned, this Wednesday I'll be speaking on what the last days will look like. Because the Bible gives us an indication of what they'll look like. And if you look around in the time we're in, it can be disturbing. It can be very um, unrestful. But yet we're told to comfort one another. Knowing the things that are coming, how it's going to unfold, how it's going to pan out. Jump back with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we'll just tie this all together. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 53. And we just talked about when we seen the support for this rapture, this moment of time that happens so instantaneously. And he goes on to say, you because know, for this corruptible must put on incorruption, this mortal must put on immortality this body isn't going to heaven uh in you'll read in 1 Corinthians I mean 2 Corinthians 5 you'll see it in other places as well that scripture refers to this body as a tent tent is what we call a temporary dwelling place agreed you want to you want to get a fresh understanding of tent some of you, this is going to strike home with what we call sensory memory. So just kind of just let your mind kind of draw back a little bit to that old canvas tent. Remember that old canvas tent? Maybe grandpa had one. Maybe you camped to one. Maybe you had to live in one when you were on assignment with military. Now just take a deep breath. Yeah, it stinks, didn't it? Yeah, that's what you live in. This body's a tent. It's not getting any better. It is a temporary dwelling. And so when we see this, like this, 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 is, this corruptible must put on the incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. This tends to be discarded. Jesus said in John chapter 14, I go to prepare a place for you. And then he speaks of a mansion. And so basically what you want to see is we're in a temporary dwelling place in these earthly bodies. But the eternal bodies, the resurrected bodies, will will last forever. They're made for that environment, made for that. They're more like a building, like a mansion, and these are more like a tent. Verse 54. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. The fear The dread of death is destroyed. It was destroyed through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so with that, when we put on that new body, death no longer has a sting, no longer has a bite, if you would. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where's your victory? It doesn't strike fear in the heart of a believer who's not uninformed but is aware of what happens when we pass away. When we pass away because we have new life in Christ, we have that new life and we have this new resurrected body. And so we actually look forward to it, not in a weird way like trying to get out of here early. Well, maybe. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, it's like this, this is what happens knowing this. So death doesn't have a sting. It's like, okay, this is, this is how it's going to unfold. Verse 56, the sting of sin, or sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. The law, what we know to be even, is, we're, is referring to these these principles of truth and the, these uh, models, if you would, of righteousness. The law confirmed that we are sinners in need of a savior. The law was never meant to save; it was meant to direct us to the savior. Galatians chapter three, verse twenty-four reads this way therefore the law was our tutor it speaks of a schoolmaster the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to christ that we may be justified by faith so it never it was never meant that we could reach we could we could nail the top 10 and we're in no you, you learn the top 10 and realize you end up with about a three and even that was marginal you see what i'm saying the law was never meant to that. And that's what I'm saying here. That the, the law revealed we needed a savior, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, what gratitude we should know. What gratefulness we should show for what God has done for us. To, to not just see that as an ending po- part of a, po- of a point being made, but to stop and think, wow. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have this hope. We're not uninformed. We're not unaware. We have this truth laid out before us because of what he has done. His death gave us life. His suffering freed us from sin. His love rescued us. His victory offered to us that we would have and know this new life. I believe it's one of, I think I could say this accurately by using this word, a bit of a travesty. That as believers, we don't live with a zeal and a hunger and an appetite and a desire to know the new life we now have. I believe we get drawn down into the appetites of this earthly body, the desires and the opportunities around us of this temporal realm, and we miss out on what God has laid out for us to experience and have right now, and it's not that we're trying to like feed the senses; it's just to know the Word, to know the truth of the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. No longer shackled to sin, the Bible says you and I are freed from sin. No longer, no longer jailed, incarcerated to our carnality. The doors open. But the sad truth, we spend too much time sleeping in the same bed with the jail door open. We go back to familiarity and say, like, you know, I'm freed. I'm liberated. I want to live this new life. And so, verse 58. We've looked at this building up to, you know, man, be thankful. Be aware. Look at this. This is going to happen. This body will pass. You'll have the new resurrected body. Therefore, I know it sounds cheesy, but I like cheese. So what is the therefore therefore I mean really so he says therefore so it's a connector if you would causing you to stop turn around and look back at what you've looked at so therefore in light of chapter 1 verse 1 through chapter 15 verse 57 maybe even more specifically the content of verse 57 I mean of chapter 15 But you see, you're looking in light of all this truth, all these realities of the resurrection, because of this new life that's been given. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. My beloved brethren, stand firm. Be steadfast. Be aware that you'll face challenges and trials. The closer we get to the departure, the more difficult and dark the days will be. I can show you several proof decks for that. I'll just leave it with that statement. So we want to be aware to be steadfast, to stand true, to be immovable, which literally just speaks to having this firm position because of what we know the truth to be. Always abounding in the work of Lord, Abounding, that's an interesting word. It, it's a word that, that refers to an overflow, something that exceeds what is necessary. If you put 12 ounces in a 10-ounce cup, you have what? You have abounding. It's overflowing. You, there's more there than is needed. And man, we have that in our life. We can be not just surviving and getting by. We have what I call... a. Um, a disorder, I made it up, don't look it up, you could, I made it up, it's called BMD, and I believe it's too prevalent, even more so since COVID, it's called bare minimum disorder, what's the bare minimum I can do and still hold my own, what's the least I can do and still survive as a Christian, what's the minimum I can get by with, we don't consciously think it that way, but our actions express that. Well, this word is just the opposite of bare minimum, a little bit in the cup, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And speaking of just uh, um, you know, having this abundant capacity to do God's will in the midst of a fallen world as we await the rapture, the resurrection, the, His return. Why is it not in vain in the Lord? Because the resurrection is a sure thing. And the results of the resurrection are sure things. The believer's labors, what we do, are done on his behalf in the nature and power of Jesus, in his nature, and in his way. Jesus said this about his followers, his disciples, you and I. This is how the world will know they're mine. This is how the world will know that they're my disciples. They will have, you will have, is what he was saying in the Gospel of John, you will have love one for another. That distinctive, that trait, that's the nature of Jesus, for God so loved the world, will be manifested, will be evident in our lives. So I want to wrap it up right there. I want to pray. Greg's going to come up and lead us in a song of worship. I do have one other verse I want you to direct your attention to in closing. I like to close with a, a verse that I believe helps us kind of sort it all out and maybe even just be an encouragement. And today that is out of chapter 16 of 1 Corinthians. Specifically, verses 13 and 14. So if you stand with me, we're going to pray. And then we'll finish our time together with a song of worship together. Let's pray. God, as we would stand before you, thankful and informed. We have a little bit more of an insight. We've been able to review and be reminded of the results of the resurrection of the pending changes that will come in a moment, an instant. Now I just thank you, God, for your word, which reveals these truths. As we're standing here, listening online, you need to ask yourself something, and you're really the only one who can answer it. Are you born again? Ask yourself, "Am am I born again? You should know that. And you should be truthful and honest. Don't ask because, or don't answer because you you want to assume or you don't want other people to know that you're not yet born again. You have an opportunity right now. You have even now this opportunity to receive the gift of life through Jesus Christ. And it really begins, if you haven't, if you can't say, yes, I'm born again, and I challenge you, I encourage you, we even pray right now by faith. Something as simple as this. God, I have I so much in my mind. I got so much that I, I really just don't know. There's so many things that are just kind of rolling around and yet I, I know I have not trusted you. I haven't put my faith in you. I haven't put my hope in you. I know I'm guilty. I know I have sinned. I know I've done wrong. I know I've rebelled you and I I know I see now that I'm guilty so I would ask Jesus forgive me of my sins I believe that you are God I believe that you rose from the dead I believe what your word says is true what history proves is true that you died for our sins and you conquered death and hell so I put my trust in you Jesus and I ask you to show me how to live this new life to repent or turn away from just those things I used to do and the way I used to be that from this day forward I would live for you and I would know your strength and your power and your presence. Thank you God. thank you. Show me this new life that you present that you offer to us. God, you know each one of us right here as we stand here, Lord you know our desire is to see you face to face, but we also want to be about your business. Growing closer to you and the closer we get to you, the more your presence emanates from us and enlightens us, the more people will see. And so, Lord, continue what you started in our lives till we see you face to face. Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus, come. In your name we pray, amen.